Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm your host, Dave Black. We've rotated the squad and I'm joined by Greg. How are we doing, Greg? Good evening. I'm not too bad. How are you? Very well, thanks, mate. Very well. Just uh, hoping that this goes off without a hitch. Fingers and, crossed. Uh, and the third part of our uh, of our strike trio this week is Mr. Tom Lana. How are you, sir? Good, thank you. Very good. Um, so we've got two Portsmouth fans and a Geordie, so none of us are in a particularly good mood. So let's <laughs> crack on with the Premier League games from this weekend, which of course started on Friday night with Brighton and West Ham. Uh, Brighton 1-1-0, thanks to Glenn Murray, who else? Um, gents, did you uh, put yourselves through this on Friday night? Uh, I didn't, no, um, if I'm honest. Uh, I think you could have put you know, put your house on it being you know, decided by the odd goal and uh, it'd be that goal being scored by Glenn Murray, that'd be... High up your list of goal scorers, wouldn't it? Um, if Glen Murray scores, Brighton do well. That's the formula that they go by, isn't it? It is. Uh, they're, they're pretty strong at home against most teams, to be quite honest. Uh, they give everyone a game there. Uh, not so good away from home, but what do you think about the aims of both of these teams? Obviously, West Ham had a terrible start and they've, they've really come back around a bit recently, but this was a, a bit of a setback for them. Um, how do you feel? Both, te- both these teams will be looking towards the end of the season I think West Ham will probably level out uh, I think they'll be they, like you said they had a terrible start but they'll be a bit more good than bad I feel once everyone settles in they've got a lot of new signings haven't they yeah um, you know I can see them finishing 11th not doing anything too remarkable um, for Brighton um, they're going to really be reliant on their home form aren't they and if they can keep that up I think they'd just take survival again, wouldn't they? I would imagine so. I don't think uh, Brighton will be looking anything beyond you know, the, the bottom five. I think anything above that will be a really good achievement for them. Um, but I think that's fair. I don't think, they, um, I don't think they've spent particularly lavishly. And we, I know we joked a few weeks ago with, with James about them buying half the Dutch league, but um, it's not the type of transfers where you're thinking you know, it's going to push them on to the next level. Mm. They're just trying to keep their heads above water, and, and probably rightly so. They're hoping one of those pays off and you can either cash in for it or... Well, probably long-term. It's Glenn Murray's 35, so if one of them can uh, can fill his boots maybe mm. next season or, or even the year after, you know, that's that's a good business, really. Um, but uh, as you said earlier, if Glenn Murray is on form, they'll probably be all right. But it's a worry if he doesn't score. It is, but um, they're so good from set-pieces. They've got the two big lads in there. Duffy and Dunk. Uh, well, and, you Dunk's know, just got a England call up today, hasn't he? He has. Uh, Tarkovsky yeah. getting injured. He has. Um, how do you feel about that, the Perrius? Um, obviously, you're on the south coast. I don't know if you're anywhere near Brighton or not. But what, what do you feel about, uh, about old Dunk getting in the, in the squad? Um, I'm 
no opinion either way. Um, it's worth giving him a go. That's not exactly a, a plethora of centre backs, is there? Um, that we can call upon. Might as well give him a go. I mean, he's had a season where he, you know, he performed well last year, having goals aside. Um, so he's probably merited a a bit of a go. It's another squad player, isn't it? It's, there's no reason for him not to be involved. Well, that's it. I don't think Tarkovsky would have played either game, to be, let's be honest. Um, mm. So it'll be nice, good experience for him if he does well, then who knows? There's obviously his place up for grabs, but um, probably not in the first 11 in the immediate future anyway against, I think it's Spain and Croatia we've got this time round, so it's not really the games you'd be experimenting in particularly. Well, he's not, he's not getting in a fully fit England team above Stones, Maguire, etc., is he? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't have thought so, but... It's nice to see that new players getting called in, especially those who don't necessarily play for the, the sort of the fashionable clubs, if you want to call them that. Mm. But, uh, having said that, some of the players who've been called in this week are a bit strange, which we'll probably come on to later on. Um, next up, so into Saturday and uh, Burnley and Huddersfield. Um, classic Premier League encounter. Uh, finish one inch, <laughs> uh, Sam Vokes for Burnley and Christopher Schindler for Huddersfield. Um Probably the biggest headline from this game was the terrible dive from uh, Lauren de Poitre, uh, which Sean Dyche went ballistic about because he's captain now here diving. Um, what do uh, either you think about, well, firstly, the dive itself, and if you have anything about this game, then please fill your boots. Um, I think Burnley will see this as an opportunity miss, won't they? Um, any points that Huddersfield pick up on the road are probably points that they wouldn't expect to get. Um, and Huddersfield, if they could finish, they create them uh, good enough chances. Um, just the problem is putting them in the back of the net. Um, so Huddersfield could have got a lot more out of it. Uh, but, you know, there's two goals, both from recycled set pieces, um, kind of uh, felt worthy of this game, really. Yeah, I can't really argue with that. Um, Burnley are, uh, they've had a bit of an upturn after another team had a terrible start. I really thought they would win this game, um, but they didn't even really come close to winning it, to be quite honest. Uh, it seemed to me that Huddersfield had the better of it. Like you say, they had a lot of the ball, a lot of the chances. Um, bit of a bit of a similar story for Huddersfield to a lot of games last season where it's converting that possession into goals. Um, what do you think about uh, Burnley this season, and Tom, do you think... Uh, is going to find it very difficult to match last season? Oh, yeah. They're not going to match the heights of last season, I'd say, but they're still going to be around that around that mid-table, pushing that top half. I mean, Dyke's got a well-organised team, hasn't he? And, again, there's strong set-pieces, strong in the air. They're not going to roll over many times, even against the big game, even in the big games. They're not going to, they're not going to let anyone roll over them. No, you know what you're going to get when you play against Burnley. Um, the... Um they get balls in the box, they've got big strong players who will attack it um, and uh, it's a bit of a given percentage sometimes isn't it, sometimes it comes off and sometimes like yesterday it didn't particularly um, I don't know, but I have nothing better to say about this match, I think we should, uh, I think we should leave that there um, thankfully it only happens twice a season <laughs> uh, Crystal Palace and Wolves um, Wolves continued their good start to life in the Premier League with uh, a goal from uh, Matt Doherty to win 1-0 uh, Crystal Palace have not scored a home goal yet this season uh, what do you think about that Greg is this something to worry about or is it just a, a blip 
I'm st- I am starting to worry about them a little bit. Um, but then you remember Roy Hodgson's at the helm and a man that experienced and uh, with a track record such as you think, you know, they'll turn it around eventually. And they do have some good players. Um, but, you know, they do lack good centre-forwards. Um, and if Wolf Saha doesn't play well, they don't tend to play well. Uh, but all credit to Wolves, they could have they, it could have been even more comfortable. Uh, Hennessy made a fantastic save. Uh, they hit the bar, uh, and Doherty, a man who can't get in the Ireland squad, is making that transition from Championship to Premier League look very easy. I have to say, I've been, I've been very impressed by him down the uh, down the right hand side. There. Obviously, the, the way of the system they play, they've got two very adventurous wing backs, um, and it's not the first goal he's been involved in this season. Uh, for Wolves, how how far do you think they can go? Are we talking the top seven, or are we just they're just going through a good spell at the moment? I think the thing about Wolves is everyone just assumed they'd be really good, but and I don't think they're the start they had is is fantastic. So everyone assumed they'd do it anyway, and they actually have. I think I think they've been underrated just because they got loads of money. But they've actually played really well. They look organised. They're not shipping goals, which is what a lot of the teams that come up do. They look quite solid. And a lot of those players haven't played in the Premier League before. You're right. And uh, at the start of the season, I was a bit sceptical about some of the players they'd bought in the, in the sense that, as you say, they haven't played in the Premier League and they weren't from uh, leagues who traditionally adapt well to the Premier League. Um, how... If you take, for example, like Joe Martino, he's 30-plus, hasn't played at a league at this tempo for some time, um, but he's fit in like a glove. He hasn't uh, had any problems, really. Um, whereas Palace, as you said, they just without, without Zaha, they don't look like scoring. Um, sorry, without Zaha being on form. Um, since, uh, since Zaha had his little hissy fit a few weeks ago, he hasn't looked the same player. Uh, what would you say about that? Would you think that's affecting things? Or um, I, I think it's certainly in the back of his mind. Um, and I think he does. Um, he he plays within himself when he's expecting to get clattered. And you know there were there have been moments over the last few weeks where he's been letting it affect him. And he's getting riled up and he's been flying into challenges. Um, I don't think he gets enough protection. You know, the speed that he does things, you know, any slight bit of contact, even a fraction late, is going to send him flying. And, you know, if he gets a, uh, picks up an injury, you know, he's out for two months, that could be Palace in a whole world of trouble. Well, we saw last season, and uh, I think it was a statistic, that they, I think they've won something like one Premier League game when he hasn't played. I think they've lost their last ten where he hasn't played. <laughs> That just sums up really how how important he is to them. Mm. Uh, so there's no doubt that they want more protection for him because he's he's one bad tackle away from from them being relegated essentially. Um, no goals. They can't wait to play Cardiff. <laughs> oh, no, well, that's it. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll come on to Cardiff's latest uh, latest horror tackle. But um, yeah, it's uh, it seems to me like Palace are overly reliant on Zaha. Uh, how do you feel about? Uh, Jordan Ayew and the, sort of the other Palace offensive players who have just been nowhere to be seen really so far. That transfer completely passed me by. I didn't even realise it was match a day. I was like, Ayew? What's, what's he doing for Palace? <laughs> completely passed me by. Um, I think 
I think there's a couple of new signs. Are you've got um, uh, Mayer as well, Max Mayer. It looks really good. Um, like we said with West Ham, they might take a little bit of time to bed in. Um, and I, you'd like to think Roy will get him going um, sooner or later. They're in a better position than they were this time last year. Yeah. Well, that's very true. They couldn't really be much worse off than uh, the, the Frank de Borean of terror, but we'll see how they get on over the coming weeks. Uh, so next up, we were uh, Leicester v Everton. Um, Everton won this 1-2-1. Uh, Richarlison scored early on. Uh, Ricardo Pereira equalised for Leicester with a, with a good counter-attacking goal. And then Gilfie Sigurdsson scored one of the goals of the season so far, for my money. Um, Greg, just how good a goal was this? Um, well, the turn sells, um, sells Madison a treat, and they're probably still looking for him. Um, <laughs> and then the finish, um, fancy, you know, just a fantastic goal. Um, and in a game where it could have gone either way, you know, you look at those two sides; they're both fairly evenly matched. Maybe Everton nick it slightly, but you know they'll finish ninth and eighth, won't they? I think that's probably a good call. I would I would say these two are sort of bordering on being the best of the rest. Uh, but they both had fairly inconsistent starts. Uh, Claude Puel, are uh, you convinced by by this guy? I mean, it's been talked about him being removed over the summer, and then he had a few games to save his bacon, which he seemingly has done. And every time they lose, that pressure seems to come back around. Um, if you were if you were the owners of Leicester City, what what would you be doing with Claude Puel? Um, considering the you know all the talk of his future, um, that's been persistent since almost since he took over because it was quite a left field appointment, wasn't it? Because you yeah. know he, he turned Southampton into one of the most boring sides <laughs> around. But you know, obviously they've they're now looking back on that and thinking, oh, maybe we shouldn't have given him such a hard time. I think he's done a, a good job considering everything that's going on behind the scenes. He's had he's lost Mares. Um, they've recruited well. Um, and you know if sack him or not they'll still finish ninth. <laughs> I, I think you're probably right with that um, Ricardo Pereira's goal um, obviously very nice counter-attacking goal and great composure from someone who normally plays sort of in defence I know he's been playing on the wing nominally um, should Jordan Pickford have done better? Um, <sighs> difficult uh, he's expected you know as someone who plays in goal occasionally, uh, not particularly <laughs> high level, you, for those kind of catch-ups, you're expecting him to go across here, you kind of shift your body weight that way, and I think that's what he's done. Um, I don't think you can look at Pickford too harshly there, if I'm honest. No, that's fair enough. I think uh, I think goalkeepers get uh, a bit of a, a bit of a bad deal sometimes in that the slightest mistake they make. Fair, mm. fair enough, if they drop the ball on the net, that's an obvious mistake, but... There's no other position on the pitch where if your footwork is slightly wrong, you cannot really be blamed for, for what happens next. Uh, I think, as you said, the guy's come in, he's, he's gone one way, he's gone the other, he's obviously constantly shifting his feet. Uh, it's it's going to be a struggle to, to know exactly where it's going to go. Um, Richarlison, in the summer, eyebrows are raised at how expensive he was. Uh, we're now eight weeks in. Do you still feel the transfer fee was too high or uh, do you think he's looking more and more like the, he's worth the money 
It doesn't seem like transfer fees need, seem to make any difference to anyone anymore, do they? It's not real money. It's just, he's, I think he's a very good player. Obviously, temperamental. We've seen that at Watford. But he's got he's got something about him, isn't he? That little bit of magic. I mean, just just create something out of nothing. Just, just something about him that you think he could play at maybe a high level. Remember, he's only 21 as well. Well, that's the thing. If you if you factor in his age to the transfer fee, it actually he looks to me is always worth every penny week on week by week. Whether that's because he's playing with the likes of Chenko Torsen, who maybe aren't as good as him, but he, with what he's working with, I think he's he's done brilliantly for Everton. Uh, they played him up front on uh, on Saturday rather than out on the left. Uh, longer term, do you feel that's where he'll play, or do you think he'll probably settle in to play on the left once Everton find a better striker? Um, can. Everton afford to go and get someone better. I know the money's there, but to get a, a top-class striker, you know, are they going to pay out another fifty million? Um, and who would uh, want to go? And you know what? You know, I don't see an alternative. You know, he's not. I, I still don't think he's worth fifty million. But that's the worst. That's football these days. Um, but like Tom said, transfer fees don't mean anything these days. These figures get banded about, but. You know, they're all relative at the end of the day. Well, that's exactly it. Uh, it's monopoly money, really, isn't it? Um, they get hideous amounts of money for a TV deal, and then that money just gets recycled into three or four players, it seems now. Um, and that's the cycle we're in. Uh, until the bubble bursts, I, I don't think that's going to change. Um, so both these teams should be fairly happy with their start, I imagine? Yeah, they've not done... I think Everton fans would be a little bit disappointed. Um, you know, they've had a couple of home games. You know, you're looking at um, Huddersfield, uh, and there was a I can't remember what off the top of my head, there was another one that they didn't. Uh, the West Ham game. Uh, you know, they went out of the Carabao Cup in the week as well. You just think that's, Everton should be looking to win trophies. Uh, the, the amount of investment that's gone in there. Um, so I think they might be a little disappointed, but you know, it's not the end of the world, is it? I mean, they sit tenth and eleventh, but uh, you're quite right. If you look at Everton's start, I remember looking at them from a from a fantasy football point of view. You're looking at their, their fixtures, and you thought, you know, we need some Everton players in this team because the the, the start actually quite reasonable. And to, I guess to only be eleventh after that start, um, maybe speaks volumes. But uh, plenty of time for them to improve on that yet. Mm. Uh, so that takes us to Wembley for uh, Tottenham, <gasps> Tottenham and Cardiff. There's only one thing I'm talking about in this game, isn't there? there um, is. Eric Dyer scored apparently in like the first five eight minutes, but other than that, uh, that tackle. Yeah, so this is Joe Rawls's uh, lunge on uh, Lucas Moura to uh, stop him. I wouldn't even say scoring because he was a good forty yards from goal, but. Once Warnock says you're not going any further, he made sure he went no further. Um, c- can anybody make a case for this not being a red card? No, I can't. Neil Warnock. Well, Neil, it was soft. Um. For Neil Warnock, things other than soft. Like, mm. uh, and the first guy in the ref's face when the red card came out was Harry Arter, who of course did this exact same tackle on a Newcastle player on the second game of the season and only got a yellow card. So. Um, Harry Arder is uh, he, he epitomises what Cardiff are about which basically involves <laughs> kicking everything that moves then complaining about it later 
Yeah, it was. I can't, I can't see any way that that's not a red card. It's dangerous. It's dangerous play, isn't it? Um, it is. Uh, it's it's very dangerous. You can seriously hurt someone doing that. Well, I can't... And, uh, they, they've got form with this. You know, City. Like the, the FA Cup game against City last year, it was. Um, there was a couple of nasty injuries from that, from you know, quite a similar kind of cynical tackles. Yes, uh, and it can't be a coincidence, can it? Um, it there's, there's nothing wrong with tackling hard, but um, it's go- when it goes over the line as, as consistently as it seems to be doing at the minute, um, it's a good job the red cards are being dished out because that should hopefully you know, stop them it's doing it. Nothing wrong. There's also nothing wrong with tackling hard if the ball's nearby. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the key ingredient there. Isn't the ball it? is genuinely about five yards away. <laughs> it's a different postcode, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. um, Spurs... Um, laboured a bit of this obviously played against 10 men for a good half an hour or so uh, and could still only win 1-0 they look tired don't they they do look tired and can't help chasing Barcelona around on that awful pitch on Wednesday night that can't do them any favours what do we feel about Spurs do we feel they've just gone stale or is it just purely a tiredness thing Um, I think there is an element of you know going stale of just stagnating a little bit but you know after that 3-0 win at Old Trafford Everyone was saying, "Oh, you don't need you know continuity." Um, I think they, I think the whole stadium issue's not helped, has it? With them essentially not having a home at the moment, um, and I do think that they are flatlining a little bit. But you know, it's very early on. You know, they could go on a, a good run. They've got favourable fixtures at the moment. You mentioned fantasy football. I had Harry Kane as my captain for the last two weeks. They've got a couple more decent fixtures um, coming up. You know. You know they won this game. Let's not forget that they won comfortably at Huddersfield in the week. They gave Barcelona a good game. That could have easily been three all. Um, so like a bit, a bit like the other clubs, you know they haven't started perhaps as they want to, but it's not the end of the world at the moment, is it? Well, what surprised me a little bit is I just looked at the table before, and Spurs are actually fifth, and they're only two points off the top. So for all the talk of. Uh, them maybe not being as good as they were last season or anything, they're still in a very good position uh, mm. at this sort of checkpoint, if you want to call it that. Um, you know, what a, might undo them slightly if they do finish third in their group? And you know, they've got after losing the first two games, they do they've got quite a task on their hands to get out of that group. If they finish third, that's Europa League. They're back to Thursday nights, aren't they? Yes, that is true. Um, and of course, the, the other thing to consider with that is that they might need to win the Europa League, uh, as you know Arsenal tried last season, and it was obvious they weren't going to finish in the top four. Mm. Uh, and I'm not saying for one minute that could happen to Spurs. I mean, who knows how the next three or four months are going to pan out? But um, you know, you, you might need that as an insurance policy, so they can't really afford to just throw it. Um, it, it seems like quite it's going to be quite competitive at the top of the table. Um, certainly, five of the favoured teams are. Almost all guns blazing. Um, obviously, we're coming to Man United shortly, but uh, you know, there's a lot going on for Tottenham. And it, do you think they'll invest in January after all that happened or didn't happen last summer, or are they stuck with what they've got now? No, no they won't. Levy won't. Will never invest in January, does he? Um, it's a hyperinflated market, and you no, know, those words don't come. They're not in Daniel Levy's vocabulary, are they? No, but he might find a, a cheeky loan deal somewhere. Um, it seems like the type of thing he would he would in, enjoy. Mm. I mean, you, know, you can't rule that, but but they're not going to go and spend big, are they? No, it's guaranteed. No, but the the problem Tottenham have got, and uh, Tom, I'll come to you about this in a second. Um, they've got a very good first eleven when everyone's fit. 
it's very hard to buy someone to, to fit into that 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 squad because who would you replace if you look? Okay, at that's that's the problem with them them buying anyone. They're only going to spend big if they get big money for someone. And who are they going to want to sell out of that that first eleven? No one because they've got a nice gelled team that have been playing together for a while now. So you don't really think they want to go on and disrupt that. No, and uh, they'll not get anywhere near what they paid for someone like Musa Sissoko, who is probably <laughs> probably the most expendable of the assets they've got. Um, but it comes back to everyone will say Harry Kane is tired, but Harry Kane wants to play every game and score goals in every single game he plays. He's, he doesn't want to be rested. You can't buy a striker who anywhere near as good as him to sit on the bench, so it's, it's a very difficult situation for them to manage. Lucas Moura has been a bit of a, a bit of a bonus for him this season. Having had a bit of a slow start last season, um, how, how impressed have you been by him? Um, he gives them a bit more, of, a bit more directness, doesn't he? I mean, there was a, um, a stage. Yes, he's just skipped past three or four, hasn't he? Uh, Cardiff players, and the, the, the biggest insight you can say to the Cardiff players—they just look too slow for this level. That's why they're you know, late. On every tackle, and they just he just glided past them, and so they weren't there. Um, and he is the the cliche like a new signing, isn't he? Because he's bedded in. Um, I think he's been a it's lucky he's been there because obviously Son had the Asian Games. You know, we weren't sure whether he was if he didn't win that, whether he was going to be sent straight to the barracks. Um, so it has been a bit of a bonus. Delhi Ali's obviously injured at the moment. Um, so yeah, he's. Form well, and they needed him to as well. Yeah, you made a point there about Deli Ali. I think that's uh, that's certainly been a bit of a factor for them uh, in recent weeks. Is that they've had a few niggly injuries, which they perhaps didn't have last season. Um, and missing Ericsson and Ali yesterday obviously showed them a bit of creativity. End up with Kane playing almost as a number ten, and that obviously can't help matters. Um, but these things tend to happen when you when you haven't invested in this in the summer. Um, so, as I said earlier, Tottenham are fifth. Um, they're only two points off the top, so for all the problems we've, we've just talked about, they're actually in, in pretty good shape. Hopefully, they'll, uh, for their sake, they'll come out the international break without any further injuries. I thought Harry Winks looked good as well. What I saw um, the way he carries the ball from you know different um, sections of the midfield. You know, he, he looked good. Yes, I thought. Um, but and that's the kind of player England needs. So, I hope if he continues his development and give it a few years. He's, uh, he's very good at taking the ball under pressure, which, uh, yeah. which not as you say, not many English midfielders have certainly done, uh, in, certainly in my lifetime. Um, so it, it's been interesting to see how he develops because he's got a lot of competition to get in that team on, on a regular basis. But there's no reason at all why, why why he can't. He's every bit as good as what they've got, in my opinion. Um, so that takes us to uh, to Watford, um, where Watford was thumped by Bournemouth four uh, nil. Um, two for Josh King, one for David Brooks, and one for Callum Wilson. Uh, Tom, has the Watford bubble burst? Uh, well, it <laughs> looks like it. What's that? Four without a win now after winning the first four. Uh, yeah, that's that's right. Um, three losses and a draw in their last four. Especially in such an emphatic manner as well. I mean, obviously the red card exacerbated things, but it just. I don't know with Watford. They do this, I don't know. They're a very patchy team. They they go through spells where they, you know, everyone's great and they win three or four, and then 
it seems like they don't re react that well to, to losing games. Which is strange because they, they, they put out this, this sort of ethos that they're really together and Troy Deeney's got them all whipped up into a frenzy for every game. Um, but they seemed to fold very easily yesterday. Um, just how impressed are you by Bournemouth's start of the season? They're, they're sixth, they've won five games already. Um, obviously, they were helped by the red card and things yesterday, but generally, um, j just how, how good are Bournemouth? Um, you know, Brooks is a, a good signing, and that's testament to the, um, to the recruitment that they've got. I think oh, it's, um, Rich Hughes used to play for Portsmouth. Uh, is the head of recruitment there? All right. Um, and you know they recruited well. Every year you look at uh, Bournemouth, you think, is this the year? You know, considering you know the size of the stadium, uh, the revenue that they must make must be smaller to a lot of other clubs. Um, and you think, how can a club like this survive in the Premier League? But um, all credit goes to Eddie Howe. Is um, I, I will worry for them if he goes. And you know it's getting to the stage that he, some a big club's going to come and knock in soon. Yeah, it's kind of surprising that it hasn't already happened. Um, we talked about Leicester before. I would have thought he he would be the type of manager Leicester would want, um, in that he's at a club who possibly reached their ceiling. I don't really know how how much further you can go with Bournemouth with a stadium of that size. Um, and as you say, this, it's probably going to come a time where he wants to move on. Because um, you could see him as someone like Tottenham, couldn't you? Certainly, maybe not as his next job, but maybe his next job but one. Um, he sort of would fit the criteria of Tottenham of the, the develop the players as much as they can. Um, obviously, we mentioned Winks before. Kane's obviously come through. Um, and I think there's quite a, quite a few good humans they've got there um, from, from what I've been reading. So yes, I think he could he could end up there certainly one day. I know there was a lot of talk about him going to Arsenal, but I, I think he probably needs another job between going from Bournemouth to one of the mm -hmm. one of the Champions League sides. Um, Callum Wilson, uh, he's an English striker who's he's scored a fair few goals, not not bagfuls by any means, but should he have been near the England squad this week? Um. I think oh, it's a difficult one. Uh, he's not going to get much game time. Um, in, who, who are the other strikers in that well, squad? The main one I'm, I'm talking about here is Welbeck, who yeah. seems to be in by default. Um, it's the first name on the team sheet, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> on the list when there's an England squad. But Danny Welbeck gets a lot of flack, but he's never let England down, has he? He hasn't. <laughs> he hasn't, but... Um, is he... Did I've, I can't remember the squad. Is, did Sturridge get in? No, the the forwards are Kane, uh, Rashford, uh, Welbeck, and then the BBC have very generously listed Raheem Sterling as a forward, which I suppose, <laughs> I suppose he did in the World Cup. Um, Sancho from Dortmund, um, and they've, they've again gone to James Madison as a forward, which I'm, I'm not buying. Um, so, so, the, so Kane's the only real centre forward? Yeah, so Kane, Rashford, Sterling, Welbeck, and Sancho, and of them, all four play off the strike or out wide, don't they? So, well, exactly. I think I'd be looking before you calling someone like Wilson. I think Sturridge is made for a, a call up to this England squad at the moment. You know, Harry, Harry Kane's going to play, isn't he? Um, and uh, so, whoever your, your second striker in that squad is, is going to have to accept that they're going to sit on the bench, and that's what Sturridge is doing for Liverpool at the moment. He's doing it very well. 
um, coming off the bench and making an impact. So I, I would have liked to have seen Sturridge come in, and if he's adjusted to that role, he can certainly do it for England. So, and he's such a gifted player that he probably would get the nod in front of someone like Wilson. But um, I'd rather Wilson than some of the other names that have been mentioned, like Glenn Murray or Troy Deeney. Uh, Wilson, out of those trio that get mentioned quite a lot, he's the one that I'd take. No, I think you're right. <coughs> Excuse me. Just choking on my own rage at uh, <laughs> James Madison being listed as a forward. <laughs> it should be done, whatever they are on fantasy football. <coughs> no, you're right. That's uh, He's definitely not a forward. Um, certainly... Not for Leicester, anyway. I don't know whether Southgate's got different ideas. And <laughs> he's just told the BBC that. Well, rule, rule nothing out. Um, anyway, as my voice returns. Um, so that takes us into uh, Saturday tea times game. Um, Man United 3, Newcastle 2. Um, <laughs> Newcastle jumped into a 2 0 lead thanks to Kennedy and um, Yoshinori Muto. Uh, and then the great comeback, which saw uh, Matters free kick. Martial and then Sanchez's last minute header. Um, people are probably sick about hearing me talk about Newcastle, so as, as two relative neutrals, um, let's, let's get Newcastle out of the way first before we move on to uh, the soap opera that is Man United. Uh, are Newcastle going to get relegated? Um, no. I'm going to stick my neck on the line and say no. Rafa, the sole reason. Um, but yeah, yes, he went he went two laps too early, didn't you? <laughs> I know it was a shock to us all, um, but uh, we we looked so comfortable as well. That's what's annoying. It should have been three. It should have been. Um, uh, obviously, there was a penalty which wasn't given for a free kick, which Ashley Young sort of elbowed out of the box, mm. which wasn't even Did, given as a corner for some. It was a goal kick. But we had a couple of other half chances. Uh, obviously, Muto had a header which was saved. There's a couple of sort of scrappy wings in the box. Diame had a header from a corner. All these what-if moments where I think if we got that third goal, we would probably have won. Um, it, was, it was the De Gea save, wasn't it? Yes. Um, that was the moment. Yes, and unfortunately, I mean, once he threw pretty much every attacking player we had onto the pitch, there was just so many overloads, and he could see it coming, um, which is a shame for us. Um, but we have now played five of last season's top six out of our eight games. We have two points, which is nothing to be sh- nothing to be proud about. But um, we've got a big six games coming up after the international break, starting with I think it's Brighton um, straight up after that, and then Southampton. If we start losing those games, then you know, put the white flag up. But until then, I'm cautiously optimistic. Mm. So under the under the, the main news, then um, Tom, was this uh, Jose Mourinho's Mark Robbins moment? with Sanchez's last-minute goal? Well, there was talk of him being sacked, win, lose, or draw, which I think was ridiculous. And But can you actually see him staying on there? I mean, it doesn't look like he's got any control of the dressing room, does it? The fans, the fans seem to put back in in some, some areas, but you can't see it. I still can't see him last until Christmas. I mean, they've won one game. One game in the last minute doesn't doesn't paper over all the cracks that are in that team. I mean, they're eighth in the league and they don't look particularly good. 
they've got they've spent a lot of money on that team and it just doesn't seem to be working for them whether it's the manager or whether it's too many egos in that dressing room well one particular ego uh, Greg do you agree do you think it's down to let's, let's, let's just call a spade a spade here let's just think it's, it's Pogba's ego uh, causing causing issues here or do you think there's more to it than that I think there's more to it I think the whole issue with him not getting the centre back that he wanted uh, although some of the defensive points I don't think Harry Maguire could even I don't think Slabed could even save him <laughs> from some of the defending that I've seen from United this year Um because you know Pogba ended up playing there yesterday. You've had McTominay playing at centre back and at right back. Um, you know he's not happy that he didn't get the the backing that he wanted in the transfer market. I think it, that it definitely runs higher than Pogba. They're a club without an identity at the moment. Uh, and when you think you know you think of United sides, you know think of Ferguson's United. They had an identity, didn't they? No, uh, imagine if Ferguson was still in charge. If he wanted a centre back, he'd get whoever he wanted straight away. And you know, I think there's it runs a lot deeper at that club. You, you know, I read the other day that fifty percent of the of the revenues that they've made has been siphoned off by the by the Glazers, um, and there's not the, the reinvestment that there should be. You've got Ed Woodward, who I'm not convinced is the best person to be making football decisions because that's what he's doing essentially um it i heard on another podcast the other day that you know that this is a club crying out for a sporting director who can liaise with you know be that middleman and can put whatever vision Mourinho has as outdated as his vision may be because i do think that he plays his football was fantastic you know, 15 years ago, it's not anymore. Um, you know, things have moved on since then. They're crying out for a clear identity and for people to imp- implement that. So I think it runs a lot deeper than just, you know, Pogba and Reno not getting on. Because there must be those kind of relationships in dressing rooms up and down the country of sides that are doing perfectly well. Yeah, I think um, you're probably right in that it, it runs deeper than the, the players and the manager. Um Obviously, Gary Neville had a lot to say about this after the uh, the news on Friday night, which, as Tom mentioned, there was talk he was going to be sacked, regardless of the result. Um, but there seems to be a lack of an actual football man in there. I mean, you mentioned Richard Hughes at Bournemouth. Now, obviously, Richard Hughes was a very average Premier League player, but at least he's played the game and he knows what he's looking for. Um, do Man United need, a, I think it was talk about Van der Sar going in to do it. Do you think that's what Man United are missing? He needs like a Munchie figure. You know, he did so well at Sevilla and you know, did the same. Uh, he's doing the same at Roma. They need that kind of figure. Yeah. Someone who's, who can take a, a manager's identity, you know, how he wants his squad to play, and then find players that fit into it. You know, some of the signings are just backwards, aren't they? Um, <laughs> I just... Uh, I just don't understand how some of the, the signings that they've made and the money that's been spent at that club. No, I think no, there's a lot of people struggling to make uh, to make sense of, of what's what's happening there. Um, so, in in both your opinions, um, what happens now with Man United? Greg, we'll go, we'll go with you first. What what what's next for Mourinho and Man United? Will he still be there, or are they going to replace him, or what do you think is going to happen next? I think lose or draw yesterday, and he was done. 
there was no coming back from that. Um, but no, that's not a slight at Newcastle. Um, I just think <laughs> that would have just been the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, I think that win bought them a little bit of time. Um, I now think, you know, result, if results can pick up a little bit, he'll be he'll be there till the end of the season. Um, if they continue to be uh, continue what the road that they're going down now, then they might do something just for January. Tom, well, they've got a tough run coming up, haven't they? After the um, international break, they've got Juve in the Champions League. What Chelsea? I think they've got another team at the top as well. All right, so um, on to Sunday, uh, we had three games. Um, started off with uh, Fulham and Arsenal. Um, this turned a bit of a bloodbath. Uh, Arsenal led one nil through Lacazette. Surely equalised just before half time, and then Arsenal went a bit wild. Uh, Lacazette scored again. Aaron Ramsey scored a lovely little flick, and then Aubameyang added two more to finish five one to Arsenal. Uh, that's nine wins in a row now for Arsenal. Um, Greg, how impressed are you with what Unai Emery has achieved there so far? It looked, and this will probably come back and bite me later on, it looked a bit like Arsenal of old. They had that, the, they're not as good defensively as they used to be. They still look a bit of a shambles at the back. You know, I do not trust Mustafi <laughs> and Rob Holding. Um, I don't trust any back four with those two in. Um, but they had a certain swagger going forward. Um, I think that's, that was uh, shown in Ramsey's goal. It's a fantastic goal. Uh, one of the goals of the week and one of my goals of the season so far. Just had that fluid, everyone flicks. You know, the finish was wonderful, um, and it looked like a, one of the old Arsenal sides, which is, you know, I know it's only Fulham, um, you know, a newly promoted club, and they've got to do it against. Um, some other, you know, top sides, but you know, it's better than what it has been for the last couple of years, I'd say. Well, that's exactly it, though. It's um, they've played a lot of teams like that in recent seasons, and, and you know, not won or, or you know, had themselves shown up a bit, but they absolutely pummeled Fulham in the second half. Um, Fulham now have the worst defence in the league, quite comfortably so as well. Um, <laughs> What do we think about Fulham after a decent start? They're now only three points clear of the bottom three. Um, and obviously with that defence, they're going to find it difficult to pull away. Um, are, are they in serious danger? Well, they've got um, goals in them. But they can't, you said what's what Wolves have done better than them. They've kept it tight at the back. So when teams come up, the ones that go down are the ones that really concede a lot of goals. And obviously where they've got the worst defence in the league. If their goals dry up, they're not going to pick up any points at all because they won't keep any clean sheets against any of, the, any of the teams around them. They're not the type of team you can ever see winning 1-0, um, which, you know, struggling sides, if they do win, tends to be by the odd goal here and there. Um, I just don't see that resolution happening for Fulham. They're not resolute enough. They, Yes, it's nice to watch sometimes, but you know, on days like today... Um, it sort of shows you how, how far away they are. Um, their one win against Burnley came some time ago now. Um, that's no win in five for them. Um, do you I think th- it's it's worse that they've got a couple of injuries at the back. Um, you know, Morse is out injured at the moment. Um, 
And, you know, games against Arsenal aren't going to be the type of games that are going to keep them up. No, it'll be sort of games against sides that are around them that will keep them up. And I'd, I'd say that they've probably got enough individual brilliance within, those, within that group of players that will win those games against the sides around them. You know, you'd back them to beat the likes of Southampton, Brighton, Huddersfield, Newcastle. That you, you sorry, <laughs> um, you'd back them to take points off of those kind of sides just because you know they've got Schurler, they've got Steri, you know Mitrovic has been uh, started the season very well. They've got good players, um, so you'd expect them to pick up a few more points against those kind of sides. You know, Arsenal at home, bonus if you get anything out of it. But that's not going to be the kind of game that's going to keep you up. Uh, no, I think you're right. It was a bit of a bonus fixture for them. It seems like you kind of it will only play one way, which is fine. You know, that's, you know, fair play to him for sticking to his guns. But uh, he's going to have to accept that there's going to be a few days like this where they're going to take a bit of a beating. Um, if you had to boil it down, let's, let's compare the Huddersfield last season, who lost a lot of games, sort of one nil. Which would you rather do as a manager? Would you rather be in every game and lose by the odd goal, or would you rather play the way you want to play and take the odd big hit? Probably the former. I'd rather give myself a chance in every game, but um, I think I think Fulham again. I'm going to make another shout that's probably going to come back and bite me in the season. I think Fulham will be okay. You do have to think they've, they bought a lot of players in the summer. Um, the odds are they'll probably gel a bit more as the season goes on, and they'll uh, uh, they've got enough goals in them to uh, to pull away. Unfortunately, because I need it's a good it's a good front three as well. I mean, if they go on a run, they can go on a run of two, three, four games where those those three are all firing. I mean, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Uh, Craven Cottage is normally quite a difficult place to go. It's one of those sort of tight grounds where teams don't like going. Um, I think they'll be fine. Unfortunately, I need I need as many teams as possible to be bad. Um, I'm not sure they're going to be bad enough for my. I think that I think there's a side that we're about to discuss that might come into that category. <laughs> yeah, um, that's a nice little segue into uh, Southampton nil, Chelsea three. Um, Hazard, Barkley, and Morata for Chelsea. Um, seeing as you just mentioned it, Southampton. Uh, how much of the shit are they in? Right, <laughs> um, I'm quite enjoying it actually. Um, <laughs> Now, having the misfortune of having to work with a couple of Samson supporters, you know, the, they all talk about how the atmosphere around the club is absolutely toxic at the moment. Um, I think they've won, I think Chelsea have won more games at St Mary's than Southampton have in the last um, 10 months. And Leicester. Yeah, um, which, you know, the atmosphere around that club is, it's been wrong for a, a couple of years now. Um, they don't trust. You know the, the ownership, who you know, a Chinese ownership that have come in, and they're not particularly present. I don't think Les Reed's particularly popular either. Um, but when when is Les Reed popular? Um, and you watch them today, and Chelsea were fantastic, but Samson made it easy for them. And I think Mark Hughes's win percentage rate must be around ten percent. The worrying thing for them today was that they had there was only two five minute spells in the whole game where they had any sort of like momentum at attacking like prowess and Chelsea scored in both of those. 
After about 20-25 minutes, Southampton got a bit fired up. Dannings had a chance. Um, they had a few chances. They pushing forward. The fans were getting into it. Then they gave away the ball on the edge of their own box and Hazard scores. Um, sloppy. They will concede a lot of goals. Um, Wesley, who is one of the, is one of the, maybe I'd go as far as say the oafiest footballer in the in the Premier League at the moment. I think the word oaf was designed for Wesley Who. Um, I, I, and I had this out with James um, a few weeks ago. James obviously watches a lot of Eredivisie, and uh, he was saying he never used to be this bad, but he just can't handle, <laughs> handle the pace of the Premier League. But as you say, he, he is an oaf. Like he's terrible. Uh, at St James's last season, he he gave this single. Indiv- like the worst individual performance I've seen, so bad. The strange thing was that um, that Bednarek seemed to be having quite a good game, and he got taken off at half time. Yeah, he, he d- seems like they just—he's just dead set on playing that hoot, no matter how bad he plays. He can't—he can't take him off. <laughs> um, is uh, second Mark Hughes the, the the next step for Southampton? Is that the solution to this, or are they irreversibly knackered? Um, sacking probably wouldn't do much harm. I mean, he's quite. I don't particularly like him. Um, you know, he's a bit of a moaner, isn't he? It's never his fault. Oh, never, not not one. And it's always a worry when you get a manager who's not pragmatic enough to notice their own failings and where their own sides are failing and work on it. If it's always someone else's fault, you're never going to improve. So long may it continue in my eyes. <laughs> um, but um. Yeah, he's you know he kept them up last year because they won one game at Swansea, and yeah, then this yeah. year they beat Azahar's Palace, which means you know, you've given a win, and <laughs> they've looked pretty poor since then. Um, I think they'll be in amongst it down the bottom this year, definitely. Well, that's music to my ears. As I said, the, the more bad teams there are, the better, really, um, and. They are as bad as I've seen. I know, as you say, they've got their, they've got more wins than us, but uh, I'm not sure they will longer term. They haven't played anyone that good. They played Liverpool. They played Chelsea today. They've had a fairly decent start to the season. Yeah. So you never know. But should we talk about Chelsea for a bit? We should, because they. Let's be fair to Chelsea. They they were good. They're, they're very good. Um, Sarri has come in. There was a few question marks. Will it work in the Premier League? They make ten thousand passes a game. Um, what's your overall opinion? Let's start with you, Tom. Chelsea, are they um, are they title contenders again? Well, you can't rule them out, can you? They haven't lost the game yet. No. They look really tidy. They look a lot more positive under Sarri than they were under Conte. Just going forward, like Hazard's more of a free role. He's not. He doesn't seem to be limited. He just turns up wherever he wants on the pitch. And I think that's what you've got to let a player like that do. And he works, even though Giroud isn't really scoring any goals, their, their link-up play between all of those attacking players has been really good. Yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd say Giroud didn't score any goals for France in the summer, but the, you know he was a pivotal part in them, in them winning the World Cup. Um, the way he occupies defenders and brings other people into the game is worth mm. goals in itself. Uh, it's pretty unselfish, but you know it, it gets the job done. Um, Greg, um, Chelsea for you is... Is this, you know, as good as it's been since since the Conte early days? Um, I'm quite pleasantly pleasantly surprised at what you know how well they've started the season. Um, I think everyone thought that it'd take a bit of you know, a few months for Sarri's methods to bed in, um, 
But it just looks a happier place, doesn't it? Uh, Eden Hazard, he's playing as well as he's ever played in a Chelsea shirt, and he's looking like he's loving every minute. And he's improving players as well, Sarri. I mean, Ross Barkley was, if Hazard wasn't on, you know, the best player on the pitch, then Barkley was today. Um, and he was doing the things and not doing the things, rather, that made him so frustrating when he was at Everton and when Chelsea signed him, you know, when he just runs into blind alleys. And it's all about Ross Barkley. Um, today, he got an assist, got his head up when they capitalised on Salah's mistake. And the second goal, really nice, I thought, well worked, with Giroud peeling off. And that made the, the silence and zonal marking look a bit silly. Uh, and then the third goal was just, I know Barkley had come off then, but the third goal was, they were taking the piss a bit. And then, <laughs> and then uh, rounded off with a nice finish from Morata, but they were... Uh, it's, a strong, it's a strong squad as well, is it? It's not just the starting eleven. Look who they bought off the bench: Pedro, Kovacic, and Morata. They'd be starting in almost every other Premier League team. You're totally right. It's um, you know it's hard. There's probably only the centre half they look at and say maybe they're not as strong as some of their contenders. But no one can get near them. Is is the gist really? They have so much of the ball. The centre halves are protected just by by proxy of never having to do any defending really. Um, um, so the, the bits of defending that they did have to do today, Rudica was very good, I thought. And um, David Luiz had his best game in his second stint as a Chelsea player in the game against Liverpool last week. Yeah. Um, and I think Jorginho is a big part of that. Like you said, he, you know, they see so much of the ball that they don't have to do much defending. And he does set the tempo. Um, he's, like, he's almost like, the, I think it was described as the manager on the pitch today. Um, because he he dictates how the game flows and making sure that Sarri's methods are implemented. Yeah, it's uh, it's. I mean, I, I watched them at, at St James's and well, the third week of the season, and it was annoying because they just passed the ball five yards, and the, you know the statistics look great, but you can see how much it's it's evolved since then as they've they've got more and more used to the methods. Um, there's a lot more dynamism in that team now, it's not just a sake of keeping the ball for the sake, but they actually seem to go somewhere with the, with the passes now um, Eden Hazard is, is he the best player in the Premier League at the moment? Yes Definitely yeah. No, I can't argue with that, I think he's uh, head and shoulders with everyone else at the moment um, which is good news for Chelsea yeah. If there was this messy lad then he, you could make an argument for best player in the world at the moment yeah, I think you'd actually probably put him in the top three at the moment, wouldn't you? Um, mm. He's certainly as good as I've seen him in a, in a Chelsea shirt. Um, but they were they were petrified of him today. They were absolutely terrified of him, just trying to get near him. As soon as once someone committed himself, you know, he'd done him. I think it helps as well that they get Alonso, who gets so far forward on that side of the pitch. They don't know who to mark. They're, they're, they're spoiled for options really when they get that far forward um, and he just ends up he always ends up in space It's people say the same about Messi where he you know good players find the space there could be 10 defenders around him and Hazard would still find himself with you know space half yard yeah, yeah. Um, so that moves Chelsea into uh, well temporarily put them top of the tail ahead of uh, the so called biggest game of the weekend um, as Sky build it as the challengers versus the champions and uh what actually happened was a very, I wouldn't say very dull, but it was 
a very I average, would. a very average nil-nil draw where they basically cancelled each other out. Um, there was time for Riyad Mahrez to miss a late penalty, um, and by he absolutely ballooned it over the bar. Um, Greg, what uh, what conclusion can you draw from this? I think they gave each other too much respect. I think you know Guardiola is obviously with the record that Liverpool have had over them. He's scared of them. It's probably the only side that they are scared of. And when you're as good as Man City, you're going to demand a certain amount of respect of any side. And I think they just respect each other too much. Um, and I actually, actually dozed play. off in the first half. Liverpool um, <laughs> um, didn't play like they normally do, did they? They didn't. They didn't directly run at people like Salah and Mane didn't terrorise defences like they normally do it's, they couldn't get the, the main attacking players into the game no, neither team could really there was a lot of uh, a lot of sort of midfield pressing interceptions you know you have a go we'll have a go we can't get through the wall um, and it led to a, a, pretty, a pretty lifeless encounter really until late on uh, the penalty definitely a penalty gents yeah yeah, yeah definitely yeah. Marwitz was having a stinker up until then. He'd done nothing, so how he managed to get his hands on the ball. Especially as he's taken it off Jesus, so I just put a tenner on to score next. <laughs> That's typical, but um, I was surprised. Five of his last eight he's missed. Penalties, and Jesus has missed two of his last three, so. But all these imp- uh, expensive players and none that can score a penalty. No, um, even Aguero's missed a few in his in his time at Man City. Um, is it Gundogan? He's the well, he's German, so he wasn't going to miss, was he? No, he's the one to say. This is six oh six this after um, after the game. I don't know why. Um, yes, some mental case on there. One, someone phoned up. like, I think Edison should have taken that penalty. Oh, it's like you're right, mate. Um, <laughs> uh, well, why not? Oh, he probably <laughs> at least worked the keeper. Um, you have to say though, how long is Edison's kick? It's—I'll get amazed by it every time I see it. He can take a good kick longer than I can kick out my hands. It just—it pretty much travels the length of the field. Um, he did it. He set up that goal. Um, oh, against, against, uh, against Huddersfield when. Uh, yeah, where he picked out Aguero. Yeah, it, I think. It, fair enough. Very, very impressive. But so he probably would have scored the pen to be fair if he, if he can, if he can hit. Leroy Sane from 90 yards I think he can probably score from 12 yards but it's a, it's a shame we'll probably never find out Sane was good when he came on he was the one who he started, he scared Joe Gomez didn't he um, I think there's Sane score in that in the, the 4-1 or the 4-3 as it ended up being he scored a good goal to equalise and then he gave Joe Gomez a, a tough afternoon then and I think yeah. he was he looked good when he came on you got to think how's he sitting on the bench and Myers he started his city career okay but he was playing pretty poorly today and you think Sane from the start well, you think maybe how, it would have had a different outcome well you think how little Sterling did as well he wasn't really involved much um, what could have been if they'd, if they'd gone with a different front three but I mean they've, they've so many options it's uh, it's hard to Hard to pick, isn't it? I imagine mm. you know the manager sees them all week in training, and he can make a decision based on that. Um, anything else on this one, gents? It was a bit of a disappointment in the end. Yeah, build off his game of the season. It didn't. That's a it's a shame. That really happened, did it? Uh, what it does though is it uh, means the top three in the Premier League are now just separated by goal difference. So Man City are top with twenty points uh, plus eighteen. 
Chelsea joint with them 20 points plus 13 and then Liverpool um, same points plus 12 then you've got Arsenal and Spurs back with 18 points apiece and then Bournemouth have 16 um, Tom and Greg you are both Portsmouth fans and as tradition would have it you've come on the podcast and Portsmouth have lost for the first time this season yeah <laughs> uh, naturally it was going to happen at some point um, and you know it's sub law that happens when you're at home to third bottom um, but it was it was one of those afternoons uh, their first goal was if you haven't seen it look out look at Gillian's first because it's the best goal I've seen all season um, brilliant goal and then we've considered a really, really sloppy one from the corner just before half time. Um, the stats, you know, we we were camped in their half for a majority of the game. Um, they defended really well. Um, we were poor in the final in, in the final third, and you know, we're still top of the league, still clear. We're still three points clear at the top of the league. So the next unbeaten run starts next week. <laughs> um. Do you think you'll go up? Um, from what you've seen so do, far, do you know what? It all the if we bounce back from our first defeat, well, then you'd probably say that there's enough character in this side. We've got a lot more depth than we had last year, um, but the key ingredient I think is Kenny Jacket. I think he's done this. He's got out of this league before. Um, very experienced, very pragmatic. Um, there's a lot of managers. Who in League One who have obviously been to the Mark Hughes school of it's never my fault <laughs> um, but Kenny he, he was quite damning in his in his opinions of our performance yesterday you know how you know how we weren't clinical in the final final third you know work on that you can say Derek Adams Greg you don't have to uh... yeah well <laughs> Derek Adams is one John Askett Shrewsbury is another uh, Gareth Rainsworth there's there's plenty in this league, um, but yeah, um, I think Nathan Jones another one. I hate Nathan Jones at Lewin. Um <laughs> but um, I I think it will be between us, Peterborough, Sunderland, and Barnsley. I think three of those four will go up. Yeah, well, it seems to be how the, the table is shaping up at the moment. It was a bit of a strange day in League One with uh, obviously yourselves losing. Um, Peterborough took a pummel, and I think Doncaster did as well against Fleetwood. <laughs> Falling at home, yeah. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, it was a good day for Sunderland, which is adds to my misery. But uh, none of the um, top seven have won more than half the home games. Uh, it shows that it's, it's a, you know it's, strange, it's an odds. It's a strange old league. <laughs> um, you know, sides go away from home, and you know they look they really look to frustrate you. Um, but uh, but then again, you know, and then the onus is on the home team to go and make the game. So you know, we've won all but one of our away games. Um, there's been a lot of lot of away wins in League One. It's a bit yeah, it's a bit of an odd league. Well, hopefully, as you say, you'll bounce back from this, and uh, you'll be playing Southampton next season in the Championship. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but not Newcastle. <laughs> no, no. We, we, we hopefully we'll we'll survive, but. Uh, it's a long old trip for us down to, down to Portsmouth, so uh, less keen to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is going on in Europe? Um, Real Madrid lost again to Alaves. Um, it's a last-minute goal. 
Uh, Bayern Munich can't win. Um, they're having a bit of a nightmare under their new manager. Barcelona were one 0 down when we started this podcast. Uh, what's the one all now? One all. Yeah, it's evened out. Both sides it could go either way this game. Uh, have you seen much of Real Madrid? What what's are they just struggling to adapt to life without Ronaldo? Or is they look. They haven't scored in four or five games now. Um, I think it's the, the the worst run that they've been on in in thirty odd years, scoring wise. Um, and they look a poor side at the moment. Um, naturally, as we're you know me and Tom are going to go and see them <laughs> in a couple of weeks. Um, they do. They're struggling. Bale's picked up an injury. Benzema isn't flourishing without having Ronaldo around. Um, and then if you look at the depth, you know, they brought on Mariano, who's a good player, but is he the man to lead the line for Real Madrid? I'm not so sure. Um, but, and, you know, silly mistakes. Last night it was Courtois kind of got caught in no man's land. You've got Ramos being beaten to a header. Uh, Varane as well. That just doesn't look quite right at the moment. So... We see Atletico Madrid at top of La Liga. Um, do, it's severe see? at the moment, oh, I think. severe, is it? Yeah. There's, it, top six are separated by two points. I think severe. They won today against... Uh, I can't remember who they played. They won today. Um, Atletico beat Betis 1-0. Uh, Alaves, they're up there. Espanyol are up there. So you're start, starting to see a couple of sides that you know, you don't know. You're not used to seeing in the, I the upper echelons. I always feel like it must be a nightmare being an Espanyol fan. Obviously, in in that area of Spain, you're either going to be an Espanyol fan or a Barcelona fan. And it's uh, it's really tough look if like your dad was an Espanyol fan and you're, <laughs> you're, you're stuck being watching your local rivals win You know everything. It's, uh, and you're lucky if you win a, win a home game. But, it's uh, like, must be similar as being a Hitafe fan. Yeah. You've got Alessio and Rao just around the corner. Yeah, it's uh, bad luck, isn't it, for some people? But never mind. I couldn't support a successful team. I, I wouldn't know what it's. That'd like. be boring, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, do either of you have anything else you'd like to talk about while we're here? Um, Bayern got thumped yesterday, didn't they? Three 0 Yeah, so Dortmund are top of the Bundesliga, I think, at the moment. Is that right? Um, yeah, they've got a ninety-six minute winner. Do you, have you have you seen much of Bayern Munich? What what's gone wrong there? How come they've they've fallen off a cliff? Do you know I haven't I profess I haven't watched too much um, Bundesliga. They're, they're an aging side. Um, if you look at who's starting, then Robin, Robin, I mean, he must be you no know, late uh, mid thirties now. He's still starting. Lewandowski's not started as well. Obviously, they've got Nico Kovac in charge. There was that Eintracht Frankfurt, and uh, they lost to Hertha Berlin last week. Drew of Ajax at home in um, in the Champions League, and then they got thumped three 0 by Borussia Mönchengladbach at home. You think that's unheard of, isn't it? Well, that's exactly it. I was very surprised to see they lost three 0 at home, um, but it, obviously they've had the, ch- the change of manager and things, and uh, it doesn't seem like a happy house there at the moment. But a couple of title, you know, we've got some title races around Europe. Italy, <laughs> Juventus have won every game. PSG, uh, that's basically done as well. Um, but a couple of title races around Europe. That makes a change. As, uh, yeah. And at least, at least the Premier League's looking a bit more competitive this year. Um, and even Scotland, <laughs> trying to get in on Even Scotland, on the although I think Celtic won maybe 5-0 today. Or they won 6-0, I'm trying to say. Ah, well... <laughs> 
But Rangers have come back. I think they've won nine they or ten at home or something. Hearts so. today, so. Well, it's all all happening, but uh, we're still. The clocks haven't even gone back yet. It could all be over with by the time that happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, right, gents. Well, that's. Um, I say, unless you, there's anything else you'd, you burn to go off your chest, I think that's all for us this week. Um, Tom, where can our lovely listeners find you on Twitter? Oh, they can find me at Alano11. Brilliant. And Greg, where can they find you? Uh, Greg Kitchen. Brilliant. And I am at CM9798. You can also follow uh, Man on the Post Twitter uh, at Man on the Post. Um, we've got all sorts of podcasts coming throughout the week, as we do every week. Um, so make sure you subscribe to us on uh, on iTunes and all those other lovely podcast places. Um, Tom, Greg, thank you very much for your company tonight. Pleasure. Thank you. And uh, hopefully we'll speak to you soon. Um, thanks for listening, and uh, always remember to keep a man on the post. Thank you.